right in front of him. Crowd are looking, throws it alley. Oh! Welcome into the Just Basketball Show for Friday, July 7th. I am Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. Thanks again to Dylan Heiser and Jake Stevens for producing. If you haven't already, subscribe and follow on your podcast platform of choice. Five-star reviews only. And please go subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not yet either. I want to remind you, too, that you can support us by going to the link below. Uh, we have a partnership with our friends at Homage who make ultra-comfortable specialty apparel for with NFL, NBA, MLB, WNBA, WB, Nickelodeon licenses, a ton of great stuff for their WWE, if that's your jam, to click the link. Some of the money from your purchase comes back to support the Just Basketball Show, so please go do that. Brendan, a lot to get to today. We're going to focus on the Dallas Mavericks, do a case study. We're going to talk about early summer league notes. And we're going to talk about the Las Vegas Aces, who might just be too damn good for everybody else. It's possible. When you say case study, it makes it sound a little bit like homework. Is that how you feel about the Dallas Mavericks? No. I Let's just dive into it. I don't feel like they're homework, but I think it is like a, a team we have not talked about, barely at all. But I think they have now had a real interesting offseason. Let's run through the moves. They, get, they bring back Kyrie, three years, 126, three-year player option was enough was low enough year over year to keep the full MLE open for them. They, uh, on the 5th, acquired Grant Williams in a sign-in trader in the process of doing so four years, $54 million deal for Grant. I think that's a great price. They only, that cost them three second-round picks, a Reggie Bullock and a pick swap, with the pick swap going to the San Antonio Spurs. Spurs, by the way, done a good bit of business this offseason. Instead of spending their cap space, just taking on contracts and players other teams don't want. And they got like Jetty Osmond or Reggie Bullock and Lamar Stevens out of it to provide depth. So like, honestly... Still should have given Austin Reeves an offer sheet, but neither yeah. here nor there. Neither here nor there, but should have given Austin Reeves a fat offer sheet and really messed with the Lakers. Uh, have signed Matisse Thibel to an offer sheet. The Blazers, though, have matched, but I, I liked the idea of going after Thibel. Uh, they shredded Davis Bertanza's salary. Still came away with Derek Lively the second. Olivier Maxence... Prosper, I, he's French, so like I'm just winging it. We're just gonna call him Om. I feel like we need a good nickname for him, but uh, I mean Omax. That's what people call oh, him. That's but, true. That's true. Uh, I love that he's has the French name and then also went to Marquette, which is also a French word as oui, his oui. school. Just just a good branding opportunity. Yeah. Dallas so, not so French, but it's okay. He should have ended up in New Orleans. Yeah, Omax to them in the draft. Really like this because they get Rashawn Holmes in a trade as well, and they resign Dwight Powell to like a relatively, I think, cost-effective deal. Obviously, still have Luka yep. Doncic. Important. Important. So, Brennan, I ask you this. Um, how did they... This is, I think, the big question what we think about with Dallas, and so I want to start with this. Did they get closer to building a more ideal Luka Doncic-centric team for the 2023-24 season? Are they closer to the ideal version of that now? I think I've lost track of what the ideal version of that is a little bit. And that's part of what makes this so interesting. Like I was, I was very, I want to say surprised. Uh, I don't know if I was surprised, but just last year, the way that his game continued to, to go in the wrong direction, in my opinion, you know what I mean? I think that he has slowed things down. They were 30th in transition offense this year. They ran 3% of the time, uh, 3% less when Luka Doncic was on the court, like we'll get into some of that stuff. That is not a great trend for him. And like even down to JaVale McGee, who they signed as in, it felt like a pretty solid, like ideal role man for, for Luka, which has been a key ingredient when he was coming up as a prospect and early on in his career, and then just didn't play JaVale McGee. And obviously it's hard to separate the Jason Kidd aspect of all of that. So it's going to be an adjustment for Luka. He has more scoring between Kyrie, Seth Curry actually also got signed, who I don't think made our list here to the biannual exception. Oh, yeah. And oh. Jaden Hardy, who came along toward the end of last season and is a, a G League Ignite prospect they got in the second round of last year's draft, who I think is pretty uh, pretty good and, and probably will be playing more. So, like, there's a world in which his usage can go down and he can start to settle into more of a, of a typical 
early career Real Madrid type of Luca role. The question is, does he want that? Is the rest of the team good enough to convince him to to take his hands off the the wheel a little bit? And did they balance it enough defensively to make all of that worth it? So I guess my answer is, I think that when they didn't get a center on draft night, Chris, like we knew they wanted DeAndre Ayton. There's been some other names that have come up. I think Clint Capella with that 10th overall pick was a hot kind of rumor around draft time. Once they didn't get that, maybe they still will. But for now, I do kind of like this team as a little bit more switchable, which I think is the probably one of the better ways to, to defend with Luke on your team by adding Grant Williams, keeping Maxi Kleba, et cetera. And again, with that offensive balance that they should have both in the starting lineup and the bench, he shouldn't have to do as much. But I guess I'll pass it back to you by asking, like, how much we don't know this, but do you anticipate that that will happen? Or do you think Luca is one of these guys like a James Harden or whoever else, LeBron even, who that's just what they want to do? And you can get them whatever you want around them, but that's just what they're going to that's how they're going to play. Do you think Luca is in that group or do you think there's still a chance at like saving him, so to speak? I mean, there's nothing in his track record and how he's played since he's come into the league that suggests that he wants to be anything different than what he is. He wants to be on the ball, superstar Luka Doncic. I also understand that, right? Like, he's been incredibly successful. He is one of the most singular talents we have in the league. And he still does, like, a pretty good job of getting other guys involved and empowering them to some degree by the shots he creates for them. And and he's been a magician. And it's like, I understand, to a certain extent, how you turn... An offense over to him. I think in a in ten years ago, I think we thought even talked about this. This is a guy that I think could have led his team to something deeper than he has if if the, the level of talent is there. But I I think a I think that style of play isn't super perfect and a super great fit for the version of the NBA we are in. And secondly, I do kind of I do a full year of Kyrie with him from a basketball sense is maybe the is going to just maybe organically push him out of that a little bit. Yeah, they had the best half-court offense in the NBA last year, 30th in transition offense. Like, that doesn't even feel possible. And they also don't offensive rebound because they play super small. Maybe that changes if they do pull off a trade for a center, which, again, I want to talk about. I don't think Lively is going to be somebody we should peg as a, a difference maker in year one. Rookie Raw rookie bigs rarely are. Um, and we know, you know, Powell was already there last year. JaVale was already there last year. Maybe it's Rashawn Holmes on the offensive end to help a little bit, but I don't think he's playable at the highest levels uh, in the playoffs sure. and everything else. So they're not getting easy points to your to your point. Um, and so I think there is a case to be made. Like I was kind of uh, going hard on on one side of it, but like, there is a case to be made that they don't need to change, right? But, you know, like Luca having a 36 plus percent usage rate and, you know, a 40 plus assist rate, that's just going to be what their team is. And it, it probably is that. But I guess I just wonder how they can continue to evolve because one, that makes him a worse defender. And I actually think he has the potential to be a pretty good defender. And two, they just added Kyrie Irving and all that he is, is, uh, you know, a shot creator offensively. So you probably do want to cut off a little bit of the diet of what Luca has been doing into Kyrie's plate. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I guess it just, it kind of, I don't think they ever figured anything else out last year, more than just sort of your turn, my turn. We broke down a couple of their games in, in close in like in detail toward the end of the year. So I know, you know, we were both watching them and like, they scored a lot, but it wasn't as if they built out this awesome, sexy offense around those two dudes. So can they do that? Is Jason Kidd the guy? I don't really know. Um, and that's kind of where my concern comes is like, yes, there's a version of this team where Luca can balance himself a little bit more, even if he is always going to have a high usage. But like, what does that actually look like? And do the pieces that they have accomplish that? So what I would say is to be an optimist about Dallas for a second. I think this roster just does kind of organically make more sense and just like logically fits together better. Like a, it's a better, the puzzle pieces actually kind of click into place to me. 
more than they did last year, more than they have in a couple years with Luca. Like I think they've gone out and gotten like actual real players for now, but also a little bit for later. And I, I think the for later part is I think kind of worth hitting on a little bit later. But you bring in Grant, who will play as a big for you. Doesn't rebound really? Like he's a below average rebounder for his position every year of his career except one in terms of rebounding missed shots. He's, yeah, they have he's no not, rebounding on this team. It's like a it, it's a real real issue, and I wonder if we may. I wonder if a tweak would be. You remember how like the Thunder went out of their way to kind of say at times like Steven Adams boxes out for for Russ so Russ could get rebounds. I wonder if they'll just like try to like do that with Luca and Kyrie, be like, hey, let the guards get the rebounds and they can go. But both those guys mm-hmm. like to play really slow, and I don't think that's always the best thing either. So that that that's a whole other thing. We'll need to see how it develops when the basketball happens. But you get Grant. You know, you still have Tim Hardaway's junior contract to do something with if you want to. You have a good amount of wings. Big Josh, you're a bigger Josh Green fan than anybody that I know, but they they didn't have to give him up or anything like that in these trades. Like this roster makes sense now, like it just does. And you know, Thibel would have been another really nice piece for them. I'm curious to see. Yeah, let's like, talk about the Thibel part because I yeah. I was less sold on that. I guess what is okay. I, I understand like. When you're talking about perimeter defense, it's sort of like 99.8% of the league and then Thibel. You know what I mean? So I get I get that it's not just like what is what's the difference between him and X? Like I'm aware of what the difference is, but mm-hmm. I guess like if you're saying there's 25 minutes per game for a guy like that, why would you not just play Josh Green, who I think does a lot of the same things, even though he is smaller and not quite as intense of a defender, because he can be a ball mover and shooter on offense in a way that Thibel's just not going to. Like, I just looked at their rotation and their roster, to your point, especially after getting Omax, and it that, that move felt a little bit to me like we don't have anything else to use our mid-level exception on, but we don't want to go into the season not utilizing every possible resource so this guy can do something we sort of need let's just try it and maybe they already knew portland would 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 match because they threw a bunch of junk in there i don't know if you saw that chris like the early advances a lot of the stuff that austin reeves got in thibel has on this deal too that feels like one where we we knew they were going to match but we just wanted it anyway and now that makes me wonder if they even thought thibel was that great of a fit on their team considering they were only going to pay him like eight million bucks anyway uh, you know, look, maybe, maybe not, but why, why I liked it in theory. Um, also, we did forget to say that Dallas did sign Dante Exum. He actually has been playing really well overseas and is now back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of happy for him. He's getting another chance. So that, that makes him a little bit happy. But the reason I kind of was bullish on the Thibel thing is that unless Luka is a different defender than we've seen, and unless Kyrie just suddenly like becomes a different player, which is not going to happen, you're always you're just gonna have and, and you're you have Seth Curry, who's like another weak spot in defense. You just needed guys that could hold up on the perimeter for you and do stuff. And even if they were imperfect fits, I understand the bet on the Uber talent you have offensively to figure that out just enough to make the defensive stuff work. He Tybal is a specialist. Like he just is. But I kind of understood, even if the price was maybe a little high for that, you know you might have able to play him in the playoffs. You know, that that to me is an understandable bet of just saying we need guys to cover defensively and be big and, and handle some of the stuff for Kyrie and for Luca and, and gives us the ability yeah. to maybe have some cover for these guys and for Seth Curry if you want to deploy him as a shooter. So my thing is, I just don't think he's I don't think Thibel is like a a person that you put in your defense if you're planning on switching a lot. And I sure. do think they're planning on switching. And so that's that's kind of where it, it it was a little bit of a head scratcher. I don't think Josh Green really is either. So, you know, that's part of where you start to run into some issues. So let's get to this question, because I think it speaks to some of what we're already talking about. What's their mm-hmm. best five-man unit? Opening night, who's closing game one for Dallas? Luca, Kyrie, Josh Green, Grant Williams, and... I want to maybe just say Maxi Kleba, mm-hmm. which yeah, you know, I think like, so too. But it, but there, there's like and there's clearly weaknesses in that, right? Like that's a very light rebounding lineup. 
it's funny that they added multiple centers, both when they brought back and when they traded for when they drafted. And it still feels like they're looking for like an answer center, which you know we're gonna we're gonna talk about. But Kleba gives you the ability to switch. He can handle some of that if he's healthy. Obviously, a bit, bit of concern for him of late, but he can be big and can switch. Grant can switch. They all kind of fit around like those guys will all play really well around what Luca does. So like that's that to me would would be the five. Yeah, I I think I agree. I mean, if that's your main five, I think what you're counting on is basically can we run a little bit more? You know, can we can we juice our transition offense and and basically just it, it's not even that crazy of a proposition for them. Can we be the best offense in the NBA? And that helps. Obviously, you know, you're limiting transition opportunities, all the things that, you know, the same reason Sacramento wasn't 30th on defense, even if their talent was a little ugly, right? Like we know how that stuff can work. So I think that's, that's the thing. And like, we can talk about centers, but um, I don't love that. If, if kind of all of this flowed outward from we need Kyrie and we're a little bit desperate because we're starting to wonder about Luca if the end result of kind of all those moves is still, you know, we are basically the same type of team as we already were, but maybe just a better version of that. Like I don't, maybe that's good enough, but it still sort of feels like they're building and that's fine. And so I guess let's just have that. Let's just have that conversation. Do you feel like they still need to make a trade for a center between now and let's say the deadline? Like, is it that urgent where it needs to happen by this year's postseason? Or do you think they can cobble together with the guys they have and playing small and all this different kind of stuff, a good enough team to be a little bit more patient? And maybe it's lively in year two, or maybe they they do kind of find some better stuff next summer rather than trying to rush it now or, or whatever their other possibilities would be. So I think they are signaling to us that they want to try to be a little bit patient and develop and and build something a little more sustainable for Luca is what I what I think part of this offseason is telling us, Brennan. Because not only do you have Josh Green, who's 22 years old, he's very young. You have Jaden Hardy, who showed some flashes last year, is playing summer league. He's 21. So you have two really young guys there. You have Derek Lively, who's 19. And you have Omax, who's 21. So a little bit of an older rookie, but but nonetheless a, a rookie. You have four guys there in your 15-man roster that skew younger, that skew not at their best right now. Theoretically, you could those are things you cash in for someone, right? Yeah. We don't. I also don't think we know like who the next star to pop free is going to be necessarily. And I also think like if you're picking your your fit between to to play with Luca, then that's like also like I'm I think it's like we're kind of guessing in real time like what's the perfect perfect fit with Luca, and it might depend on how Luca wants to play and whatnot, right? But I think with the young guys they have, and then you know taking a 19 year old center with their top pick, and taking a, a win, and taking the you know getting another first round pick, and having Josh Green, and having. Uh, and having Jane Hardy, like this is a team that is skewing towards development a little bit. And I like that plan. It, I, I think the key for them, if they want to like be competitive with Luca for a longer time, who Luca's 24. I think we kind of forget that he's only 24 sometimes because he's already that good. But I think yeah. they're telling us, Hey, we need to understand that we need to build something that isn't just going to satisfy Luca right now. But three years from now, I think that's kind of what we're seeing with this roster development a little bit. Kyrie is like the win now thing. Everything in Seth, Seth Curry is a win now thing. Rashawn Holmes is a win now thing. Lively and all, everything else is very much. Let's let's get some pans on the stove that are going to cook for a little bit longer. Yeah, I'm not sure Seth Curry will play. If I'm being well, honest, just I, to, but, just but to say kinda, that. I, but if they're going to get, if he's like a change of pace, like shooter in certain games, or like mm -hmm. Kyrie misses time, I don't hate it. That's exactly the part of it. And it's not even a getting down the rabbit hole of Kyrie stuff. It's just he's in his 30s and, and gets hurt. So um, I think that's totally reasonable. There's a lot worse ways. He has the familiarity with the organization. That's fine. I just think the way I'm looking at their roster right now, it's kind of down between like who plays between Seth Curry, Omax, and Hardy. 
I think that's going to kind of be like night to night, week to week, month to month. Um, let me ask you this. So they still have the Tim Hardaway Jr. contract, which is just really not good, but it does descend. So it actually is 17.9 this year after it was almost 20 last year. And then it goes down next season in the final year to 16.2. They have Maxi Kleba's salary. They still have Rashawn Holmes's salary. So they also have the, the tools to make a trade right now. Um, if they feel differently about this center thing, because there's still like Pascal Siakam rumors out there across the NBA and you never know what comes they, they, loose uh, after. They, had, they had sold JaVale McGee too, by the way. Yes, exactly. So smaller salary, but they can trade him. So, um, and like, we never know what's going to happen after the Dame and Harden trades. Like there was some Zubots might get traded stuff uh, around free agency. It's like maybe the Clippers are done, aren't done moving. Um, anyway. So I'm, I'm just laughing real quick. Cause I wanted to see what JaVale was making. Do you, do you realize the last year of his deal is a player option for $6 million? Yeah. It, just, that in the, and the, yeah, that and the um, Marvin Bagley deals are just we're like the people who sign uh, those in the front offices should be tested for mental illness. It's like it, uh, it's, good, a, good, but it's a but it's a question mark. Con- congratulations, JaVale McGee. You're this week's winner of You Got That Back. Congratulations to you. Well, he's last July's winner of You Got That Back. Yeah, but, yes, but like uh, but like when, when you're going to be 37 years old and can only play like 20 minutes a game and you have a player option for six million dollars. Feel pretty good about that. Yeah, so uh, point is, sorry, do they, no, you're good. Do they trade, so their offer on draft night was, I believe, Hardaway Jr., JaVale, and Rashawn Holmes for DeAndre Ayton? That, the Sun said no to, which they should have. That's an awful offer. Um, would you maybe do Josh Green in the JaVale McGee slot. They have to pay Josh Green. He's extension eligible right now. They have to pay him next year in restricted free agency. We just talked about they have a little bit of a of a jam on the wing now with Hardy and Omax and everybody else, uh, Grant. So would you switch that out if it meant getting DeAndre? No, I would not want I don't think that's the, the player. I, I'd be looking at Siakam. Okay. I, I would be Zach Lowe was talking to John Hollinger on his pod this week. And it made me think that like, there's a, a better chance than I thought of for a Siakam trade. And I understand Siak. There's like the whole thing that Siakam, like there was reported that he doesn't, he's not going to sign with another team and that complicates the value. And it wouldn't be surprised based on what we know of Toronto's like value proposition for uh, one of these for, for, for Siakam is like absurdly high, even if he has one year on his deal. Yeah. I would really be being like, okay, like what can we get? And what is, what is like the way we can finagle this without giving up too much of our future stuff? But yep. can we do like two picks and like matching salary? And is that enough? Do we need to give like Omax in there or lively in there to complete it? I know that they're hard cap now, so you have to consider that as well. But like, can, yeah. can you go get, Siakam would be the one that I would be like, can I get that? Because thinking about him as a small ball five, as you're starting four, he will increase your tempo a little bit. That guy loves to get rebounds and go. It's a good screener. You can have him do a lot of the defensive wing stuff you're going to need to navigate the West next year. If you're going to play the Lakers, you're going to play the Clippers if they're healthy. If you're going to play the Suns, like you kind of need that guy. And he, I think, you know, the three-point shooting, that it would be a different role for him than what we've seen in Toronto, but that would be the talent bet I would make. And if you roll in with a big three of Siakam, Luka, Kyrie, and you can keep enough, if you can get this deal done and thread the needle of trading away some of the guys you, you don't super love, but keeping the ones you think can help you, then, then I'm all for it. Um, like, I would want, I don't, I don't know what Toronto would want necessarily, but I would be, I would, my first offer would be something that they'd probably say no to, which is like, okay, like, we're not offering you Josh Green. We're not offering you Derek Lively. Like I would try to finagle that in a way that lets me kind of keep some of these other things dry. I don't know how realistic that would be, though. I think that's a perfect... I mean, it's not a perfect fit. It's a great fit, and it's probably the best that they're going to be able to do. I think it kind of keeps this identity of their team intact in a way that, you know, I do 
think that there are just certain realities like any superstar like that you have to confront with Luca. You're you're not going to want him as as far as what we've seen like guarding high level players. You probably want to switch. You need guys who can do things with the ball but don't need the ball. Like and so I think Siakam makes a lot of sense. Um they were a 38 win team last year and yet they actually were projected to win 42 games based on uh you know their point differential and everything else. So they got a little unlucky in some of the close games, especially down the stretch. They lost to Charlotte twice and we're not going to relitigate the should they have sat their guys for the bench uh for the draft pick and everything, but it is important context. Do you think this is a team who can get into the top 6 in the West this upcoming season, Chris? The West is going to be a bloodbath is what I want to say first. I I think we you should expect a lot of craziness in the West next year, but I think my answer would be a tentative yes that it's possible. I don't know if I would feel comfortable betting on it. But here's who they would have to jump to get it to, to get the six. The Thunder, who I really like, but like are they gonna be significantly better than the 10th seed this year? I I don't think we know that. We're gonna talk about Chet soon. Pelicans. Wolves, Lakers, Warriors. That's not an insignificant grouping of teams to jump, right? We've raved about the Lakers offseason. It's the Warriors. Maybe Zion will finally be healthy. Lord knows. You know, then above that, you have the Clippers, you have the Suns, you have the Kings, you have the Grizzlies, you have the defending world champion, the Denver Nuggets, ever heard of them. So it's not going to be easy for them to get to the top six, but I think it's possible. Like, I would like them better next year on paper right now than probably Minnesota for sure. I think probably more than the Thunder, just because the Thunder skew a little bit younger. But there's a lot of things that need to click right. Um, and even, yeah. Brendan, even like the Siakam trade that like I mentioned, I should note that like they can't aggregate Rashawn Holmes' salary, which you might want to use in a trade like that for like two months. So like this isn't even something they can totally pragmatically do at this current moment. So like it's even complicated them to some degree to make some of these trades we might want them to make, or they might have the opportunity to make at least for a little bit longer. Um, how do you feel about it? Do you think this is like a top six team in the West next year? I don't think it's a lock that they're, that they're going to get there. No. I mean, I think that would be a little crazy to, to comfortably say, I think the center thing is a real issue. Like I, I, I don't think there's a way around that. You know, Dwight Powell is always kind of been the same guy, but now he's an older version of the same guy and JaVale couldn't get on the court. And and then there's a rookie and Rashawn Holmes who basically didn't play basketball last year. So I, I like that, whether it's a Luca team or an anybody else team like that, you can't, you can't say about a team that just has one position. That's a huge question mark Uh that they're going to be a lock to do anything. And then like that, that's an overly reductive way to put it, but I think that's just that's just a huge thing. And, you know, some of these guys are young. Josh Green, Jaden Hardy, Omax, um, even Grant, like, you know, betting on them to be consistent and get this team to a higher floor is is hard for me. So I think it's a better roster. I think it's a deeper roster. I don't think it's, you know, a contending roster yet. So that's kind of how I'd put it. I, and la- my last comment on these guys is, like you mentioned, Luke is only 24. Uh, agreed. Obviously, you always kind of have to couch it in that, but most 24-year-olds don't have a career where they're the same exact dude from 20 to 24, and he's been the same exact dude for most of that time. And so I want to see the evolution of his game more than any other thing about this, this team. You know, He's gotten a little more efficient. I get that. I'm sure he's improved. I, I don't, you know, he seems like he's a little better in the post than he used to be, even though the fall away doesn't really happen. He's better getting to the line, all that stuff. But I just need to see him evolve in the way that young players typically do. It seems like he's settled into something that by happenstance or by, you know, choice is not produced a high level of winning. They have given him a lot more now. So I, I hope that that next step is what we see this year from him because they're going to go as far as he takes them, regardless of a lot of this other stuff. Yeah, he's he's number one. If I had a list, if we were making that list, I think that would come into mind of guys that get pushed out of your comfort zone a little bit and would benefit from it. He's very high up there in just terms of getting challenged and, and made better in that way, and I think that's a, a thing a lot of superstars do go through in, in different ways. 
But I want to I want to just hit. Can we hit quickly on the Grant Williams thing specifically because we didn't really touch on him much. I just think this was a really good. I just think this was a really good bit of business. Four years and fifty four million for him is like a very reasonable price. Give up three seconds and what you know the other stuff like they gave up Reggie Bullock who like can't shoot threes for the first several months of the season and then it's just kind of fine. Like that's just kind of the Reggie Bullock story, as a basketball player at least. Grant's going to be big. He allows them versatility. He's going to screen, competitor, defender. Like I just think this is like he is like a pretty to me like perfect pair if you're going at this price, especially to, to play with Luca as a forward. So I I just thought the Grant bit of business for them, considering the price uh, in terms of assets given up, and the the contract they gave him. I think just it, it's a really nice deal for them to go get a a, a player who probably didn't even play enough at, at the end of Boston, in my opinion. It'd be fun uh, to see an even smaller lineup with no Kleba and Grant at the five and, you know, just all the, all the guards and wings and how, just like and just score you, 140 points per hundred and possessions. You, and you don't get a single rebound. Probably not. I guess Luca is a decent defensive rebounder, but other than that, yeah, probably But if you're not. like, no, I think it's, you, I think it's good. And he's young too, right? Like you were yeah. talking about with uh, kind of a yeah. trend of some of their other moves is like, they didn't break the bank for an older guy. Grant is, you know, coming onto his second contract. He's a little older coming out of school, but nothing crazy. And and he'll be, you know, on the same timeline as Luca. They can keep him for the next 10 years if they want to. Yeah, it's it's a nice bit of business for them. I think they're in a better spot. I think would you let's say so would you say you would feel they're in a better spot than they were, but there are still some significant questions about what this next year looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how a lot of teams are. I mean, this is the age of parity in the league. Like there's not, you know. Every team has two superstars, like it felt for a while. You know, this is one superstar, one and a half superstars, and then who's deep and who's balanced enough to to bank it through four rounds. And they have questions just like everybody else. All right, let's move on to summer league. Brennan, I'm gonna get a little spicy here at the top. Okay. I I wouldn't rule out Chet Holmgren winning rookie of the year. If if I just wouldn't like I know Vic, our guy Vic, his name is not Wemby, it's Vic. He's the odds on favorite at any sports book you go to, including our friends at Ben MGM. But if he doesn't play the sixty five game requirement because it's like they're they're handling him carefully and all that stuff, and maybe Check gets handled carefully too, considering it's coming off a foot injury that cost him an entire season. You know, maybe that, that he doesn't get there as well, or he picks up a knock or something. But boy, these these summer league, the movement from Chet, the way he plays, how skilled he is, it's kind of like been a reminder of how special he might be. It's made me more bullish on the Thunder. And I, he, if I was going to have to throw money on someone not named Victor Wembenyama to win Rook of the Year, I think I would pretty clearly be throwing it at Chet. He just looks really polished, honestly. He looks bigger, and he looks bigger. He looks yeah. like he added like the necessary... Not all of it, but he definitely looks like he added some of the necessary muscle that needed to. I, I think they've said he's at two bills now. <laughs> Congrats. Uh, yeah, look, I think, um, first of all, at BetMGM, Scoot is second, which is, I know go, like that type of player tends to, to win it a lot because they just are in a position to produce and like numbers tend to kind of just get you there, but... Chet's going to also put up numbers. Like he's probably going to start for this team and is going to be a double, double machine, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I, as far as what he's looked like, it, it seems like everybody hates him out there. I don't know why they're all like determined to just embarrass him. They're Micah Potter, who is a dude I did not know uh, the name of putting up a too small, just, Okay, here's, uh, here, I mean, it might a be a small, race thing. Like we can just well, confront reality here, but also yeah, like also it's, every it's strange. every everyone the too small might have jumped the shark a little bit. If we're being honest, <laughs> like everyone does it now. Yeah, and I'm just it was like, Patrick think, Beverly. Yeah, it's the. I I think we have I think the the jump the shark thing has been a little bit uh, ruined. Overused. I, I th- yeah, I think yeah. like I think Papev and Russ and it just everyone hits the too small. It's like. I think the I think the only people that should get to use it now Russ just because like I, I think of it as like a Russ thing to some degree, um, and I think I think like really tall guys should use it like ironically, 
Jimmy uses it a lot. Oh yeah, he's, J- he's Jimmy, a good one. Well, Jimmy can Jimmy can Jimmy just cracks me up. Most J- people are smaller than him, at least kind of physically, even if not height wise. Yeah, I want I want Nikola Jokic to throw it out one time. He, that, That'd he be the, never, the number he, one draft pick for the, if, like my dream user. I mean, just anyone who's like seven feet should just do it. Yeah, like yeah, I, Vic, like like game one. It's like <laughs> yeah, no shit. You're everybody is smaller than you. Yeah, Congratulations. Vic, but he, it's like I need him to do it after he dunks on like Jakob Pertl, and it's just like oh, oh okay, or like yeah. he like just it anybody. Uh, here's the but just by the way, here's the rookie of the year odds from Bed Engine. Yeah. Victor Wembanyama minus two hundred, Scoot plus three fifty, Chet plus five hundred, Brennan Miller plus nine fifty, Amen Thompson plus fourteen hundred. Hmm. Grady Dick plus four thousand. Uh, maybe 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 if we if we had a leader for silly dance TikToks, Grady Dick would be like minus five thousand for most of those. He already would have won it. They would have just given it. I'm to just, him I'm, just, I'm just saying, like early. more silly dancing TikTok videos. Yeah, that's a lock. Um, all right. Yeah, I think with Chet, the thing, and 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 him being bigger does matter here. But I think like it's also just a reminder that whatever your impression of him was from seeing his frame, and I know they lost earlier than expected in that tournament, and he had some. I don't even want to say up and down games, but it felt like people were looking for reasons in that draft to poke holes in his game. Yes. He's a forceful physical player, even if he's like a thin guy, even if he has the the high hips and some of the, you know, Vic-like body problems that that make him a question mark to stay healthy, to guard in the post, and, and obvious things that he'll have to work through as a pro. That doesn't mean that he's not a physical forceful player he was a monster offensive rebounder at Gonzaga he blocked shots like nobody's business he shot 81 percent at the rim in college ridiculous like he's not uh you know one of these guys who goes and stands in the corner for three years and then maybe 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 he'll make a dunk once or twice like that that is not what Chet Holmgren is going to be and it seems like he's also rounding out his game a little bit like he's He's facing up. He's attacking closeouts. He's, you know, putting on the, you know, the hezzy and the kind of pull up mid-range jumper stuff and fake dribble handoff into a drive and and finish or drive and pass. Like he simultaneously fits into how Oklahoma City already wants to play. And I think he really will balance them out in a really positive way because he is a real center and plays like one. The two man game with him and Shea is going to be insanely fun to watch. Mm-hmm. And I think it's going to be incredibly varied, right? Like, we're going to get a lot of weird twists and turns with this. The, the handoffs to me, I think, are going to be pretty there. I think we're going to get, you know, like, who gets him inverted at times if you want to get really funky. He's just going to really make this Thunder team incredibly fun to like watch. Like, we already are, I think, Brennan owners of lots of Oklahoma City Thunder stock. But I think we are. I think like Chet being back and kind of getting for me at least refreshed on what he is is just kind of pushing them up my my hypothetical league pass rankings next year. If I had to say like two younger teams at skew younger that I'm most excited for to watch next year, I think it's like them and the Pacers that I just I think I'm I'm weirdly kind of amped up to spend a lot of time watching next year. I was hyped for the Orlando Magic and then they had a weird off season, so it's uh, going to be some Joe uh, Ingles. Joe- Look, Joe Ingles can take his family to Disney and got $22 million. Congratulations to Joe Ingles. Yeah, I think it's that. a little bit more about the second thing, if I'm if I'm being completely honest. Probably yes. the $22 million over the Disney. Like, he's Australian. He doesn't care about anything American like that. He, wants to, he wants to go back home. They don't even have Australia at, uh, at Epcot, I don't think. so. That's true. I don't think they do. Um, yeah, I, just, I think Chet's going to be... A breath of fresh air for this team. I think he's going to play minutes right away. Maybe he struggles with fouls. Maybe he struggles defending in the post. But congratulations. Like most young bigs do that, even if they're not, you know, underweight and everything else. My question on him is, so Oklahoma City had the 30th, so the worst at-rim uh, at rim efficiency in the league. They actually had one of the best frequencies. They just couldn't make anything, which was one of the weirdest, like, statistical trends in the league. Uh, and then defensive rebounding, they were bottom three. So, like, I do think there's something to be said for, and other people have already made this point, like, don't pencil in Oklahoma City to just win 45 games next year. They might 
play guys who are coming into the rotation more and it maybe ends up being like close to 500 again. But I look at those two things, at least statistically, and I'm like, if they're more, if they're better in the paint and play bigger, that makes them a better team too. So I don't know. I, I think he could make them like improve their team and they stayed really healthy. Like, I don't know how much that'll all happen in wins and losses, but I think in year one, he could make them better too, instead of just being like kind of a cool thing to gawk at on league pass, you know? He is going to make them better. I would be shocked if he doesn't make them better. I, I don't see how he's not going to with the, the rim pressure, with the dunking, with with everything that we know that Chet can do. He's going to make them better. I, I just can't see a world where that, that doesn't happen. Um, this is someone who has a skill set they need. It's at a position they just haven't spent any other money or draft resources on, really, right? Like, they've just been like, what are centers? Chet's now, are, Chet's now they're, on, they're on orthodox answer to having a traditional five. That's what this is. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't appreciate the half a season of Al Horford? That wasn't... I saw them play. I, I watched the Al Horford-led Thunder for like the 30 games he played for them in an empty COVID gym in like January 2021. Very strange experience. It was like Trey Mann, Al Horford two-man game. I don't think Shea was playing that night. And just zero fans. Weird stuff. Uh, don't miss that 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 era. <laughs> no. All right, uh, uh, let's any... go on to Brandon Miller. So no, let's uh, go on to Brandon Miller. Okay, I I have not been super in, impressed, and I it's some really I wouldn't like read too much into this, but uh, not super impressed with what we've seen from Brandon Miller so far. Well, I I kind of have been, so I kind of want to hear you be pessimistic or like just why. He just has. I think he's just looks. He looks a little bit uncomfortable. He's had a lot of. He's had fifteen fouls in over two games. Like, that's a lot of fouls. Um, He's using up that 10-foul summer league limit. Yeah, he had six points on four shots on Wednesday. Yeah, I had seven assists, though. I mean, like to me, so I guess it's like I think that there's a temptation in summer league to grade people on the curve of you should just be better than everybody else. And I think that there is sometimes a thing where the player is still the player, even if they have more like talent or athleticism than the other guys on the court. Like could Brandon Miller, if he had a straight line drive to the basket, dunk on every summer league defense that he faces, that isn't, you know, the Spurs. Yes, but he can't dribble better than he could three months ago when we saw him in the tournament. That didn't just magically happen. He's still an off ball player. He's still a defensive stopper who's growing into his body and growing into his athleticism and everything else. So I just look at he's making the right play a lot of the time. Like, I think actually to me, the the unselfishness matters because the team is kind of crappy around him. You know, James Booknight is doing his ISO stuff and they got uh, McGowan's who's like trying to fight for a roster spot and everything. And he's just happy to keep it moving. You know what I mean? And then if there's an open three, he'll take it. And I don't think he's getting lost on defense. I know they they gave up a bunch of threes in the first game because Julian Champagny is the new like Joe Harris, apparently. Uh, the guy on the Spurs, but to me, it's just that it's like uh, he's going to be off an, an off ball shooter and a defensive difference maker, and that's kind of all they're going to really want to see from him in year one, and he's doing that so far. So that's that's, that's it. fair. His teammates certainly are like shooting him out of this. I think that's probably a part I'm I'm not putting enough stock in in this, Brendan. It's just I don't know. I I just where I'm kind of just like swooning over Chet. This just kind of left me like a little bit wanting and I, I wasn't the biggest Miller guy coming into the draft either. Like I was much more a scoot guy at two um, than I, than I was a Miller guy, even if I get the size and all of that. That sounds just rude from, from you. So because yeah. you like scoot more, he sucks at summer league. Where's that no. coming from? Well, Be nice not, to Brandon. Okay. That's it's not like, really what like I mean. one letter off from my name. got to, yeah, I got to back up my guy. That's true. The, what I, what I would say is I think summer league is often what I would say that make it that would that doesn't mean I here's the thing I don't put too much stock into this either is the other thing yeah. I would say. I think summer league matters, the, and then maybe this is unfair, maybe this is wrong. I would love for you people can tell tell us what they think about this. I tend to put stock into summer league when guys really pop and dominate. I don't, or they look like totally a fish out of water and just look like they physically can't hang. That tells us when it's one of those extremes. I think it tells us something. When you're just kind of there and your team situation is, isn't really helping you and it's not like you're running super set stuff, you have no chemistry with guys, 
then I'm just sort of like, okay. If this was like year two for him, like he came back and played like next summer and he did this, I would be a little bit more concerned. But this is rookie year. There wasn't there like some report of injuries at the end of his time at Alabama that kind of, yeah. he still played through it, but it was hurt. Team, his teammates are just shooting a ton. That's not helping him. I, I don't put like a ton of stock into this, even if, like, I have not loved totally how he's played. Let's see, but I don't look at this and say, like, oh, he's like a bust. That's unserious commentary for going there. I just think this has been, yeah. It's, it, Summer League is like a very hard way to like take anything seriously. And I think unless guys really pop and dominate, or guys just clearly are physically just outmatched and, and can't hang athletically. Yeah, to that point, I mean, uh, one last thing I'll say on him is I do feel like there is a physical observation you can make of a dude who maybe looked big in the SEC. Does he still look big? Brandon Miller still looks big. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I it, it's odd. Like, 6'9 is 6'9 no matter what court you're on, but, like, the dude is going to be fine physically in the NBA, and I think that that should help him adjust early on is he's not going to just be getting bowled over by other guys. Um, all right. You had a, you had a, an other well, favorite I, that I want to let I, you cook on. I, I have one other favor that I should have put in there, but uh, I didn't get around to putting in the document. That's Keegan Murray, because I feel like he maybe should have led our summer league stuff. This has been the, yeah. if you want to talk about someone, he who shouldn't be sure- playing summer league. That's why he doesn't get to lead it. Okay. But get out of the there. Point. It's just because okay. it's on your home court. You're not going to play in Vegas. Sure. Show off. Okay, but, he, but he, kind of kind of not wrong. But this this is the kind of summer league thing where he shows up and it's like, oh, right, he's too good for this. He has clearly improved. He is clearly a serious basketball player. That's like the value of this. And he's just, just honestly, watching Keegan Murray get to cook has been funny. He had 29 in the first game. Then he had 41, five, and four blocks and was six yeah. of them from three in the second game. He has been just all around awesome. He's all rookie team, all first team rookie last year. He's been insane and summer league looks like he just is way too good to be there and that to me would give me optimism if i'm the kings for next just the fact that he has kind of dominated summer league would make me feel just a little bit just if i was a kings fan i have a little pep my step about my keegan murray stock going yeah. into next year his ball handling being where it is heading into year two when he's already like you know six nine is is pretty crazy like he has like a you know stop and pop he has a step back three he he can get downhill and you know, keep his dribble low to the ground and actually, you know, get momentum going toward the basket, even if he's not fully ready to like get all the way there and finish yet. And he just has a toughness that I feel like was undersold coming out of the draft. Yeah. Like, I think he was kind of billed as like this kind of wallflower wing who's just going to go stand in the corner and like, yeah, maybe over time he'll kind of develop some defensive chops and round out it. Maybe he'll get a mid-range jumper and this and that. It's like, no, that guy already wants to like bang you and, you know, fight through a screen, run you through multiple screens off ball and not run out of energy. Like he plays hard already. And, you know, already was making a difference in playoff games more than even like Kevin Herter and Harrison Barnes were like Murray was one of their more reliable dudes in that playoff series. So yeah, he's a good one. Um, mine are all like really deep cuts that are kind of uh, ridiculous, but uh, Julian Champagne, who I mentioned, Kai Jones, forcing myself to watch some Hornets Summer League. Uh, Kai Jones is an interesting, like, just play him for 25 minutes and he'll do some crazy stuff defensively guy. I don't know if he has an offensive pathway in the league yet. I I don't know what he's going to be, but he's at least making good on, like, the defensive playmaking, defensive turnover creation and everything. And also, I feel like the Warriors are are cheating, and they found their second Jordan Poole with Lester Quinones. Have you watched any of this dude's highlights or anything? Yeah, it's it's a little like, what if we have Jordan Poole, who's maybe not quite as good as peak Jordan Poole, but isn't making an insane contract that's costing us lots of money in the luxury tax? Should have traded Chris Paul for a, a forward. Or Poole for a forward instead of Chris Paul, I should say. Well, you could just trade Chris Paul for a forward if you want to in a couple months. Yeah, go get uh, go get Siakam at the deadline or something. I right. that yeah that, uh, just just Yamiakas. Yeah, I mean, I think you're just saying that to kiss up to Aram. <laughs> no, I I I look. I here's the thing. I come through the prism of all NBA summer league stuff with a lot of these guys having like barely watched any college. I just like the way he's played in summer league, and he's physical and he's tough, yeah. and he looks like he's not gonna like peak. He feels like a Miami Heat summer league guy. You know? 
if you can dribble and like play through contact on both ends as a rookie, like that, that will get you on the court. You know what yeah, I mean? Like it's a big deal. More even more than like three point shooting. We always want to see every rookie be able to make threes. And it's like, I mean, for the Heat, yeah. Is he gonna play minutes like, you know, in in May? Probably not, but it's at least a good starting point. And he's older, so that makes sense. But well, I mean, yeah, you gotta just remember remember with the Heat, you gotta assume that over him, you're gonna have like some guy from Sioux Falls who've never heard of scoring like twenty five a game in the playoffs. It's gotta assume yeah, that's gonna happen. That's that's coming, so he'll be the backup. Um Yeah. Okay. Very, I'm very to, excited. To geek out. Well, just very excited for the other the the second attraction to the Las Vegas Aces. Very excited for the real summer league to get going. I'm excited to go back. Maybe hopefully next year is my is my hope. Maybe me and you can do summer league up next year. Yeah, let's do it. Walk you and I can walk from Thomas and Mac together again. Hopefully not. I'm you know. Look, cardio is good for you. Cut some. You know, <laughs> you just do a little cutting in Vegas. You want to know the temperature in Phoenix right now, which is usually the same as Vegas, and that I will dissuade you, Chris? Uh, sure. It's 111 degrees. Brother, I ran in like 80 degree weather yesterday, and, and it was humid, and I was like, I was dying a little bit. 80 like is the three. low today. Oh. There's no, like, if you want to go for an outdoor jog in Phoenix in July, you got to wake up at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning and, and get out there pronto, and it's already going to be like 85. <laughs> I'm excited for you when the women's final fours are next year to be in Cleveland and for you to experience the Ohio version of Vincent weather, which is like, why is it snowing in March? <laughs> I'm down. I, I visited my friend in New York in March and it was like sleety in yeah. like the last week of March. And I was honestly incredibly appreciative because uh, it was already like 80 in Phoenix. So, all right, then, then you're going to, you're going to fit right in. Let's talk about Las Vegas aces. Um, Brennan, holy shit. This team, Good. Uh, Want to just hit you with some their their offensive defense rating net rating right now. Okay, they have a net rating of eighteen point eight, which means they're outscoring by teams by eighteen point eight points per hundred possessions. The second best net rating in the NBA is the New York Liberty, who have a net rating of eight point one. The the Aces have an offensive rating of one thirteen point seven. The second best offense league is the New York Liberty at one oh seven point nine. Defensive rating of of ninety four point nine. The best defensive league is the Washington Mystics at ninety four point seven. So they were thin, like less than a point point two of the best defense in the league. They have the best offense in the league. They have the best net rating in the league, and they're sixteen and one. They are sixteen and one in seventeen games played, and they don't feel like they have a weakness at all. This team just this team legitimately feels. This team, Brennan, just feels like a juggernaut. This team feels like the runaway favorite to win the title right now. Did you watch that Aces Liberty game the other week? I did, and uh, I came away feeling uh, not super. I would not come away from that game feeling super optimistic about my chances of beating the Aces if I was at Liberty after watching that game. No, it was pretty ugly at times. Like it really, really was. I just think the level of execution is is at another level. I mean. And it's kind of crazy because you would think I, I like the core four players have been together for a while now in Vegas, uh, you know, two years between Asia, Plum, Young and Gray. But Candace Parker has fit right in. Alicia Clark has fit right in. Kia Stokes still does her job. It's just it's it's a level that like it feels like this team has been playing together for a decade. This is yeah. legit one of my favorite basketball teams I can remember watching. Like, yeah, I, they're. They're sick. Like it's it's really crazy, and I feel like that Liberty team. The the level of, I think some I think it was Sabrina who we had on tweeted after that game, like, or retweeted somebody. I don't know. It was going around of like, this is not a league with two super teams and everybody else. This is a league with one super team, one great team, and then everybody else. Like the distance between the aces and the Liberty is almost as much as the Liberty and the next best team, especially now that Brianna Jones went down from Connecticut and, and their season is, is, is going uh, sideways a little bit. So it's just crazy. I mean, everybody can handle the ball. Everybody who plays can handle the ball. They all play with like an insane amount of force. Like they, they just take it to you. They're physical. They can control the pace if it's slow or they can be comfortable. If it's slow, they can be comfortable if it's fast. And like, strategically schematically whatever I, I love the way that they go about offense because it kind of takes advantage of both of those things like 
almost right away. And like, I just watched the Dallas game. So some of that's in my head and they had crystal Dangerfield defending Chelsea gray, which is like a six inch size advantage for, for Chelsea. Sure. And so like, and then Asia had mismatches sometimes and whatever, like they were just trying to get quick post-ups or quick ISOs for those two. But if at the exact same time, whoever had the ball, there's something being set up weak side. So they can just flow right into a second side pick and roll or a pin down or another post up into something, or there's a shooter open because the defense is just freaking out about all of that. And it's just so natural. And like, they'll use the whole shot clock sometimes and still get an amazing shot. And, and like to back to that Liberty game, like New York's defense just had no idea what was going on a lot of that game. And they didn't have the personnel to execute it. And they just did not have the comfort level to try to keep up with, with what Vegas was doing. I mean, you have on here that they don't have a weakness. It doesn't feel like it. Yeah. I I think they have there is a theoretical weakness. The problem is I just don't think anybody in the W can match it, which is like a a huge five who can punt because they aren't the biggest team in the world. You know, but who is that team? There really isn't anybody like that, like against Dallas. And they went, they were down at halftime and they kind of had to scratch and claw. Dallas played them really physically. Tara McCowan is one of the biggest players in the league. And she was just smashing the offensive boards and finishing and everything. But it's like, and they still won by seven. Yeah. You know, <laughs> cause it's just like, what are you going to do? Um, but I, I even go back to that Liberty game. And it was just seeing like the different ways they could kind of exploit Sabrina, depending on who Sabrina would just end up on an island against Chelsea Gray. And Chelsea Gray is like, I'm getting a bucket on you. I'm getting up. I'm going to get an assist off you. They had no answer for that. And they could just shoulder pick down. On Sabrina's on the ground. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a wrap. And like Sabrina's a very good player, but that's like a weak point they can press on defensively. And she just physically was not capable of handling the onslaught. And it's like, you want to put her on Kelsey Plum. That means Chelsea Gray is attacking someone else off ball or, or Plum's going to get into Sabrina and scoring her because Plum's like a ridiculous player and has been like even better as a since coming back from the Achilles thing, which maybe isn't even talked about enough considering we don't talk about women's sports enough. This like their only loss also was like they lost to Connecticut. Um second game and they they played in Connecticut two games in a row. They lost that game. You know, Asia had like five of ten in that game. Dewana Bonner had forty one like it took Tawana Bonner having 41 on 6 of 23 shooting and 5 of 7 from 3 for them to win that game. Only two other players in that game, Brendan for the Mystics were in double figures. Like that was just like Bonner went off and the Aces were just kind of like, okay, like we're in Connecticut again, let's just like get out of here and go home. They didn't like like the box would have been not a paint a real picture of like, oh, we're real up for this game if I'm being honest. Yeah, that that would be that would have been the team. I actually think the Sun match up better against the Aces than than the Liberty do right yeah, now, uh, especially agree. because if we're talking about a big center like Brianna Jones was that. Uh, unfortunately, speaking of Achilles tears, she she suffered that, and so their team's just back to they've always gotten the injury bug at the worst time and and everything else. Um, John Cole Jones just needs to be better if the Liberty are going to beat the Aces. She needs to be better. Period. I don't know what's up with her this season. She's been frankly bad in a lot of games that I've watched them uh, for her standard in terms of being a superstar addition and it's mental lapses. It is not, you know, she's not as involved on offense and I understand that can bleed in. She's an MVP having to take a big, big sacrifice, but defensively she has to hold it down if the, if the Liberty are going to have any chance in this stuff. And like, the thing is like, and to go back to that Dallas game or any of these things, even if you beat them in a certain, with a certain thing, Bonner going off, you know, Tierra McCowan smashing the offensive boards and, and keeping the game close and, you know, being played physically. There was a bunch of fouls in that Wings game and everything else. Nobody in the WNBA can guard either Asia Wilson or Chelsea Gray one-on-one late in the game. They're going to get a good shot. And so it's just like you're just – you're picking your poison. Um, I have some some historical context here for you if you're interested, Chris. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a good place to to kind of start wrapping this up a little bit. All right. Uh, the starting lineup this year for the Aces, plus 27 per 100 possessions. It, I, so uh, playbyplaystats.com, which is like a 
very uh, geeky NBA stats website has WNBA data going back to 2009, I want to say. Okay. From lineup data, shot data, everything, like lots of stuff that is much appreciated compared to where we were even like five, six years ago. So they have lineups. So I, I'm not going to go back to like the Comets era and some of the stuff. I know there's been great teams prior, but this is basically the best lineup in the history of the WNBA that we're watching right now. Last year's Aces starters with Hamby, plus 18 net rating in the postseason. 2019 Mystics, which was like my previous favorite WNBA team ever, um, just filthy, plus 24. 2018 Storm, also pretty revolutionary with like five out stuff, plus 20. 2017 Lynx, which was like the best Minnesota team from their dynasty, plus 19 per 100 possessions. And then the 2014 Mercury, which is kind of thought of as like the best team in WNBA history. They have the best regular season record ever and won the championship when, in Griner's first year. They were plus 23 net rating per 100 possessions. So it's not just that the Aces are like eking out an advantage over those. They're like substantially better than the best teams we've ever seen in this league uh, right now. And they have a good bench. And, you know, Raquana Williams isn't even playing and everything. So, um, yeah. I mean, you're looking at three finals in four years if they make it two championships back-to-back, which would be the first one in two decades in the WNBA. Nobody goes back-to-back in this league. And their whole core is locked up through next season, too. Uh, should note that two final things, I think, guess to wrap this up. Right now, BetMGM, is, as far as title odds, we talked about this when we did our big W preview. The Aces are minus 225 right now. That is a shift in their favor. They are bigger favorites than they were to start the year. The Liberty are now plus 250. The Sun at plus 1,600. The Mystics at plus 2,500. The Dow Swings at plus 6,600. Everyone else is plus 10,000. Yeah. If the if the finals is the two super teams, I don't know if we're getting a close finals. That's where we are right now. Yeah. Uh, and should just note that Jackie Young is flourishing, and she has a true shooting percentage above 70%. Right now, she has a true shooting percentage... That is the equivalent of like a of a of a big player of like a of a center a forward someone who takes a lot of shots at the rim. This is a three like, like point. DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like someone who just catches a bunch of dunks or like lays the ball in a bunch and just like doesn't do anything else. This is absurd what she's doing as a perimeter as a perimeter player and having that shooting percentage. She's like not obviously not the focus of that team. That is it's Asia Wilson and and Plum and Chelsea Gray, but like Jackie Young is pretty damn good she's she's second uh i think in mvp among aces though so she's yeah she and because of her defense you know yeah really good yeah yeah. she's she's crazy i mean and like it goes without saying but this is a league where shot making is one of the utmost important skills because of the size situation for some of the players you know what i mean like to be six feet tall and shooting 63 percent on twos it's like that just doesn't even compute. No, um, you. But I, I guess on an MVP note, do you find it interesting that at least like the some of the most recent ones we've seen still have Brianna Stewart as like the favorite to win MVP? I kind of think she is the MVP. So no, I, I don't think it's crazy. Okay. I mean, I I feel like I'm trying. To, I was trying to. I was trying to start some controversy, and uh, and you just you didn't let me do it. But that's okay. She's more valuable to her team than any player in the league, and that's sure. more a Liberty thing than than a anybody else thing, to be honest. But imagine where they'd be without her. They almost lost to the Mercury last night, and the Mercury are bad. <laughs> and then yes. Stewie had like 40. Like, that's just... Yeah. she's. <laughs> this is a little extreme, but it some of the like box scores with her and that team this year have felt like Shohei Otani type of stuff, where it's like Stewie shot 75% from the field and scored 40, and the Liberty lost by two. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? <laughs> or barely won. Like, that's uh, kind of what it feels like. I I love all jokes about the, the Angels failing Shohei. Those are my favorite. Those are like the only good t- only good tweets. Maybe we'll get good threads out of them over on, on the new one. Um, Brendan, all I can hope for is that when I see the Aces and the Liberty play in New York in August, that I I get the I get a competitive game or at least something cool. That's all I'm looking for. It'll be fun either way. I'm jealous you're going. That'll be. I'm I, I'm doing nice. uh we're doing Gotham, uh NWSL game the night before. And then uh, Liberty. So my, I'm going to be big seafoam guy that weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Big, Stock just, your closet with a color you you never had before, and then you'll have a whole uh, little wardrobe. Yeah, uh, I've I 
we'll be buying an NWSL jersey. Not a big basketball jersey person, big soccer jersey person. We'll, we'll Kelly Kelly O'Hara is odds on favor right now for me to to get that in that like a, a nice goth like jersey. It. Would would buy a Stewie jersey though, if I'm being honest. Might buy that. Maybe a good maybe, frame. Maybe item. a jersey. Yeah, or like, you know, at least get the orange hoodie. That's probably the move at the very least. Um, any any other thoughts, Brennan? Are we done? Are we are we wrapping up? We we land in this. We're good. We'll talk aces more. There'll there'll be yeah. more time. I just had to geek out there. I mean, this team is this team is crazy. Ridic- they're the closest they're- thing to the Spurs of those mid twenty tens that we've seen. I mean, it's not it like you watch them and you're like, oh yeah, she she coached there. So, yeah, it turns out Becky Hammond's a, a really good coach. Um, under over under one and a half years before like we get a leak that an NBA team is trying to poach. Maybe they'll stop lying that they're trying to consider her because they lied about it for like three years and then she got yeah, tired so, of it. You think she'd be better than Chauncey Billups in Portland, mind you? Bro, or do you think the tokenism shit Brennan, was actually you're, you're speaking to the person who's like whole first first and strongest Portland Trailblazers take before, even before the Dame stuff was like, I would have just fired Chauncey Billups and got a real NBA head coach. Drives me crazy. It's She she would be like an upper echelon NBA head coach if she was in the WNBA right now. Or in the NBA right now, excuse me. Um... Also, turns out they like just you know didn't really miss Alyssa Cambage. They've kind of been fine. <laughs> yeah, there's a great book to be written about the Aces. I think in like in a couple of years, like someone's gonna yeah. should write like a really great book about the Aces. A lot of good characters. Uh, a lot of there's I, a lot of drama. Getting Mark Davis on the record and just letting him go sounds like a nice <laughs> reason, if nothing the, else. He, here's all the things I've spent money on that nobody knows about that gave us a competitive advantage. And here's why I really love owning this team because they have great players and I'm really bad at owning an NFL team. So this <laughs> makes me happy. Yeah. Yeah. Asia, Asia Wilson, a much better investment than like Jimmy Garoppolo. That's all. That's where I would feel about yeah. that. Let's, Becky let's Hammond, greater than Josh McDaniels. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's end there. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brennan Clean. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks. And to Jake Stevens and Dylan Heiser back at you after the weekend. Maybe we'll get some more Dame scuttlebutt between now and then. But until next time, this has been Just Basketball Show. Enjoy the summer league hoops. Scootin' and Vic on Sunday. I think that might be worth tuning in for.